Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Friday, January 6th. It is the Friday podcast edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. And Brendan, I, 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 how'd you feel, feel it filling in for me a week ago? You know, it was a lot of pressure. Back in the lead Corey. chair where you started. Well, there you go. But it was a lot of pressure. You have Luke right there. You right. know, I have to follow up Luke for so many, you know, days. But I think I did pretty well. Not as good as you, not as good as Luke, but I did the best I could. It is intimidating um, trying to host and lead a conversation when you are doing it with uh, a the consummate professional in Luke Stuckmeyer, uh, right. not doing it, you know, when he easily could. So, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I tried, but I missed you, Corey. It's been a while since we talked. Oh, that's nice. Do I have to say something nice about you? You do, actually, oh. yeah. <laughs> anyway, and we're silence. short for time, so, you know, we want to <laughs> keep things moving. Um, we're into January. CubsCon mm-hmm. is around the corner. They are pushing for those ticket sales, so I'm not sure how I anticipate those going. Um the Cubs have somebody new to play first base. I know uh, the rest of the guys talked about Eric Hosmer a little bit, but Brendan and I will touch on that as well. And kind of just the the state of things. Um, you know, not yeah. too much exciting going on, but definitely enough to talk about the Chicago Cubs. So I, I guess, Brendan, you know, jumping in right there, um, the Cubs have continued to make some minor moves uh, around the edges here, but nothing of real significance in in the last few weeks. So how are you feeling about the state of things? I, I, I think you said it to me before we jumped on that spring training is, is really only a matter of weeks away. Um, how are you feeling yeah. about things? I, I, I feel a little conflicted, Corey. The spring training catchers and pitchers report February 14th. It's like five, six weeks away, and the offseason is more or less done unless a surprising trade happens, which is possible, but I'm left with this conflict where, in one sense, the Cubs did improve, and their win projection will be made known in the next three, four, five weeks here, and it probably will be better, but I wish they more moves. I wish things were a little bit different, and it doesn't exclude the fact of the improved defense with Dansby as shortstop, with uh, even Tucker Barnhart with his framing and his game calling and Bellinger in center field. But I'm, I'm left with kind of like a uh, an unsettled feeling, and almost as if it's unfinished, and we're going to go into the season likely as it currently is. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um I'm pretty like underwhelmed if I'm going to be honest with everybody. Um 
there's still some runway here in the off season. Uh, is there though? Well, you know, just technically, right? I mean, you know, who I knows? Um, technically speaking, Carlos Correa is still unsigned, right? Um, but you know, and I and I know uh, Luke and the guys talked about this uh, the other day. But you know, you look at something like the Devers extension with Boston, and it is a stark reminder that. You know, these players don't always hit free agency anymore. The game has changed. The way that teams negotiate has changed. And that leads to a lot of those guys that are 25, 26 years old never getting the opportunity to negotiate with you or for you to pitch to them and things like that. And, you know, it just kind of reminded me back of what we were talking about this whole time. And, you know, we've gone in depth on the Dansby signing. um, But, you know, part of that conversation was that this team needs stars. You know, they 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 need star power. They need those elite, um, you know, long term extension worthy players, and they have a real dearth of that type of player. Yeah. And I'm not really sure I would put Dansby in that category. He's a very good player, but uh, elite, you know, top of the league type guy. You know, no, not quite right. Um, and you know, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think I just had higher hopes for this offseason. Again, it's not over, um, but I know, you know, some people were, were dreaming on a, on a Devers what, uh, trade. What were your hopes? Was Were the hopes in terms of trades? Were My the hopes, hopes in... Brendan, were that... <laughs> Here we go. No, I look, I, I, my hopes were that we're in a situation now where, you know, you moved on from Wilson Contreras. We've relitigated that a, a thousand times, right? And we may continue to do so because he's in the division. Um, you signed Dansby, and a lot of these other moves just feel very middling to me, yeah. right? And I was hoping for more, right? We're in a situation right now where you have no offense, at the catching position, right? Um, and that's fine. You conceded that. But you've signed a league average at best guy to play first base. And we'll talk about the Hosmer signing in more detail in a second. Um, you got a, you know, reclamation lottery ticket type guy with a high floor in center field and Cody Bellinger. You've done nothing at third base and at the moment are going to rely on maybe a Patrick Wisdom, Christopher Morrell platoon that probably could set a record for how many times a a position can strike out in a season, and really questionable defense, right? We were unsure of what was going on with Wisdom at third base there, and when Morrell was over there, not his primary position, I think with given time, he can improve there, but he was borderline unplayable at the position. And that's not what I was hoping for, man. So I I think we're in a spot where they've probably raised their win projection. And I think they're probably a better team than last year. But I was hoping that we would be a lot more sure of a lot of those things and be able to say, you know, this is a wild card team, like with conviction, right? And like, I don't know if I believe that, man. Do you, are are you there? Like, how do you feel about this team competing for a playoff spot? We'll see what the projections come out, but I imagine there's 79, 80 wins for like the average simulation. So they're 
perhaps in the picture, but it's not a for sure thing. And that's where I want to center on. Like this team did improve and there's going to be a lot of fans, rightfully so. Like if this is, if this were your expectations to improve and at least be in the conversation, then maybe you're okay with it. For me, listening to the front office over the last two and a half years and seeing what other teams are doing, I wanted more. And I, I, I became accustomed to having a front office that was kind of ahead of the curve in, in the early 2010s, mid-2010s. And we're not really seeing that. And I'm, I'm stuck on this feeling that it's not enough. Like it could work out, but it's not enough where you're going to have a ton of optimism. And I do think you're getting that captured by the lack of Cubs convention tickets sold. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we're the only ones thinking this. Uh, the dance Bisani was great. Like to your point, you know, he's very good. Is he going to be that star? Well, he got paid 177 million in a market where your, you know, top percentile hitters are getting 300 plus million. So the market dictates that he's not that. He's still very good. But also the market's dictating a completely dramatic shift towards financial incentives of those types of hitters. And that was something that I don't feel as if this front office fully expected. And if we go back to even the U Darvish trade, uh, there are a few quotes when Jed Hoyer was asked about you know, with the logic of trading you, uh, I do think it has context to where we are right now. And this is what he said two years ago when he traded Darvish for that package of teenagers who are very talented nonetheless. But he said, quote, we got four guys that will take some time to develop. They're going to develop and take a path through the minor leagues. Certainly their time horizon is not our time horizon, end quote. That was two years ago. Owen Casey just played in the Arizona Fall League. He's perhaps ready if everything goes well by 2024. That seems to be where the the horizon is for the Cubs to be competitive. So that was my fear. Like when we recorded that podcast two years ago, we we were heated, but my fear was you're going to unintentionally elongate your timeline for obvious competitiveness. And I think we're at the point where that is a reality now, that the timeline was elongated because of a of a, a flurry, a, a snowballing of moves or lack thereof over the last two years. And it's kind of reaching a point where we're going to enter this season now and we're going to be like just an 81 projected team. Right. It's not good enough right. at all. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, again, like, and I think it, it's it's one of those things where that's sort of where I center on, you know, some of these moves. And we've talked about a lot, like sometimes players don't choose you. Sometimes players pick different places for different reasons. Um, but you know, we harped on so many of these guys that were available in free agency because I think they just make things look better, right? Um, if, if you had signed Vasquez and Abreu and I don't know, Brandon Drury to play third base, like, I just think you yeah. feel a lot better about this team and it feels like a much more like earnest effort at making 2023 competitive. So why do you think he, why do you think Jed and Carter didn't do that? Well, Vasquez like, chose somebody else, so Vasquez chose that someone one you else. just missed like, out on. I, like we missed on Drury. We missed. We missed on. Or they just weren't they interested. Yeah, I, I don't know. I it it you know again like the the team I think is improved and I I think that raising the floor at some of these positions is a good thing, right? Like when we talk about Hosmer, we'll talk about the fact that like the Cubs production at first base last year was below league average. It was bad, and Hosmer 
it was better than that, right? But like he's still not good for a corner infield <laughs> position, right? Like a 104 WRC plus is like, okay, whoop-de-doo, right? Congratulations that you found somebody that's better than Frank Schwindel, you know, like do you want a medal for that? Um, it It's just one of those things where it's exactly what you're saying about kind of elongating this window. Like I just had a hope that this was going to be a lot more serious of an effort um, in this offseason. And again, I, yeah. I kind of understand from their perspective. Um, the front offices? Yeah, I guess like why they're yeah. not ready to be so aggressive. Like they've yeah. told us all of this. You that's know? the conflict. Right. Like, and and that's the conflict. from our perspective, we say the same thing all the time that, you know, the Cubs are one of the most valuable franchises in sports. They charge all this for tickets, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to wait on this three or four year timeline, right? But like, I, you know, I get it to a degree, right? When you look at the roster, and, but I think if you had been more aggressive in some of these off seasons, I don't think you would, you You're know, right. you put yourself in this spot, right? You trade everybody, you extend exactly. nobody, you sign a bunch of guys to trade at the <laughs> deadline and recoup young players. Like, yeah, you're going to push your timeline a little bit before the, the big league team warrants you going nuts and, you know, doing something like the Padres, the Mets are doing and, you know, spending a ton of money on the team. I don't know. I yeah. guess just like the, the Hosmer thing to me, I don't care about in a vacuum, but it just is one of those things where it like... Uh, unless there's more to follow it just represents like one of those like I, I don't know how like excited I am about the state of the team right again this has nothing to do with Hosmer specifically but I don't really know how excited I'm gonna be when their answer at first base is let's find the cheapest thing we can find that is technically mm-hmm. better than what we had it's like okay right. I mean that's just not that exciting right? And I think there were options available and you saw teams making trades and all this other stuff. And it's like, all right, we got Eric Hosmer and Tucker Barnhart. Like, what do you want me to do? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to lie to everybody and be like, oh yeah, I'm pumped up, man. Like, let's go. Well, the thinking for me was entering the off season, the way the Cubs accelerate that timeline is through trades. And when we found out live on air that Canario broke his ankle, separated his shoulder, that in my brain, like, turned on a switch of this being a possible outcome where no trades are made. And I hope that we're talking about a trade in the next few weeks. It just seems unlikely at this point. And from over the last three years, when you're investing in very young talents, there's two sides of me where one, I, I'm interested in those prospects. Don't get me wrong. They're fun to follow. They are talented. But there's another side to me where if you look at just the probability of immediate return from those guys, it's really low. So the way you have to couple that is by making other moves elsewhere. And I gave Jed in the front office the benefit of the doubt. I thought we would get that. And again, we still might. But Sitting here, seeing the Hosmer deal, seeing that being official, it reminds me of that I don't know if I should be giving him the benefit of the doubt anymore. And it sucks to say, but we've just been told and we're seeing moves that just don't align with immediate, obvious competitiveness. Yeah. And the, the, the likelihood is right now that when opening day hits, 
they're going to sit 15 million below the luxury tax. And if I look at this on paper, you know what? I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, this probably makes sense. Why, why should they invest in this current team to go over the luxury tax? Like you're going to go out and spend 18 million on Trey Mancini to push your win projection from 80 to 83? You know, like, I don't know if that even makes sense right now. And so then you start going backwards. All right, what did we miss in 2020? What did we miss in 2021? What were the market inefficiencies that weren't captured? And you start to spiral a little bit, and that type of thinking just inspires very low confidence in this front office right now. And it's it sucks. I don't want to be saying this. I, I still... I, I love watching Nico play. I love watching the defensive improvements. I love the prospects. I love all of that. At the same time, I can separate that out and be very cautious and be very disappointed that we're not able to couple those exciting features of this organization with the front office that's making the necessary yeah. moves. And I and I want to be clear, like I don't I don't know if this comes off as like pissing and moaning or whatever. I feel like we've been much more miserable than this, uh, you know, prior to Dansby oh, signing. So I, I I hope this doesn't come off that way. Like the team is better and I and I think like we're going to be invested in like a lot of things like we were last year and if they break the right way and and this and that like but I, I think it's what you're hearing now. It's just like, and and you said one of the the words that kind of jumps to mind. Uh, it's like it's uninspired, right? Yeah. Like this feels like when you look at this group that they put together, right? Tucker Barnhart, Cody Bellinger, Eric Hosmer, uh, Jamison Tyone, Dansby Swanson. That feels like if you drew up what is the least they could do, and like kind of justify it to everybody this feels like that exact group doesn't it does that make sense it does but it's even doing all this like the the weird part about this is that minimal effort to us which is minimal you're still pushing towards that luxury tax oh yeah that's how no doubt don't yeah, and it's it's and that i'm not justifying that I'm, i'm i'm the reason i bring that up is because those moves even pushing you towards a luxury tax just shows how limited this roster was. So why did that happen? How did you get to the point where you had to rely on making trades to improve your timeline? Otherwise, what we've been hearing over the years just makes no sense. And even uh, dating back to earlier this offseason, you kept bringing this up, where Jed explicitly said that power was going to be prioritized. Right. And that, Corey, does not align with any of the moves. No. Hosmer is the antithesis of a slugging corner infielder, man. He puts the ball on the ground at a similar rate as Jason Hayward, dude. And you, again, Dansby, defense, top. Power for shortstops, top, right? But you're kind of just trading homers with Wilson Contreras. You lost Wilson. You have no offense to catcher now. So you're not you're not improving your your power that way. So why, if you're presenting yourself to the media with this plan, which Theo was so good at doing, why even bring that up when you don't execute? Right? Yeah, I don't like know. that makes no sense to me. I don't. I I don't know. Yeah, that's one of the things I remain the most confused about. Like, uh, and maybe you know, stuff falls through, right? Um, you can have a direction that you want to go and discussions with agents or whatever don't 
play out the way you want them to or things like that. But that just remains one of the most confusing things to me is I just don't know why you would say something like that. Um, and you still haven't really addressed it. Um, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not like insinuating like, you know, malicious intent on misleading fans. I'm, I'm just saying it just didn't work. And so either you didn't execute or you didn't communicate effectively. Right. And neither one of those is acceptable for us fans. Like you have to, you have to follow through. Um, that truly was your plan. It's just, it's just not working out. But let me take a quick break here. We'll come back, talk about a little bit of Hosmer, I imagine, Corey. But uh, I think this episode, at least for me, is like a debriefing, right? Like we've gotten to this point, this off season was going to be built up. We knew it was going to be active. It was active. And it's kind of winding down and there's still time, there's still moves perhaps to be made, but like we're reaching the finale more or less. And so I'm just like, you know, debriefing and kind of uh, letting my mind spill out here. But quick break here from a sponsor, Shady Race. They never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Shady Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone in every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear, lost and broken replacements if you lose or break your shades on day one. They told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. If you drop them in the lake, off a cliff, anything, they will replace them. But even with that strong other protection program, they still manage to make quality. I can tell you, holding in my hands seems just as good as any expensive pair that I have ever worn. Shady Rays customers seem to agree with over 200,000 five-star reviews. They also provide provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order place and have donated over 20 million meals to date. They stand behind their product and told our team, if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. Free returns and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. Exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. You can use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com, where you can find all their newest and best shades. Second break here from our sponsor, GameTime. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you have ever dreamed of sitting on the 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it's possible with the GameTime app. GameTime has the biggest last-minute price drops that can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. You won't find a better deal this season on Bears games, Bulls games, Blackhawks games, spring trainings coming up. You can get those tickets on on game time. This app is created by the fans for the fans. It guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you will love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description of this episode. You can join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Okay. Let's talk Eric Hosmer. Ugh. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. So look, like I said, I think that in a vacuum, I'm sure you guys have seen these kind of numbers circulating a lot. Um, the Cubs in 2022 at first base, 86 WRC plus um, for their first baseman. That included several people, primarily, I think Frank Schwindel and Alfonso Rivas, who the Cubs did release uh, on Thursday evening. 
So he's going to have a chance to catch on with another team. I got to be honest with you, Brendan. I there there was a moment I really thought the Cubs had something interesting there. He was a very good defender, um, ability to make contact, but you know another one of those guys last year when the Cubs were doing a lot of their experimenting and kind of seeing what they had just just didn't do it in the opportunities that he got. Even though, as with a lot of those guys, I would concede that I don't really know that he got a like truly like fair shake at it all. But, you know, apparently the Cubs saw enough um, and, you know, with whatever they want to do with Matt Mervis and everything else in their system, they they opted for this route. Yeah, the, the, the Revis release, I think it was still even surprising just because, you know, the contact rate, the defense, the, the somewhat youth on his side suggested that he could be a possibility if things do fall apart. But, it's not going to work. And he didn't take advantage of those opportunities, unfortunately. So, you know, first base, Hosmer, you get someone who has some precedence of success, 104 WRC plus last season. He's a heavy contact guy. His contact rate was in the 85th percentile last season. His ability to hit the ball hard is there. Like his max exit velocity is almost in the 90th percentile. So he has that in him. The problem with Hosmer, he doesn't do it that that frequently. So as a result, his average exit velo is below average. His uh, expected weight on base average is below average. Slugging below average. Barrel below average. Uh, that's what you're going to get. And despite the shift being banned, you don't see obvious improvements in his profile. Like, for example, against balls or against defenses that were not playing a shift last year, his uh, weight on base average was 324. So decent, but not completely dramatically different than his baseline rate. To me, this is just a move that provides potential depth. You're not going to pay him any money. Right. He's still on the hook um, by the Padres. He'll be paying the majority of his salary. And they're still going to remain under the luxury tax and perhaps in a position to make a trade come July if they are competitive. That is the logic of the deal, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, again, like I think the the key here is that it costs the Cubs basically nothing, right? Um, and I don't say that because I care about saving them money, but I say that because it's not something that affects them like at all. He is someone who offers a better offensive profile than you got at the position last year, and that's always a good thing, right? Like, as we were sort of discussing in the beginning, the issue comes with, I think, more the opportunity cost, right? Could you have done something else? Like, would you like to have a corner infielder, specifically at first base, not being a league average hitter, right? It's good that you can get league average when you couldn't get that before, but you know, ideally you're aiming a bit higher for your, you know, uh, your first base position. But when you're paying a guy nothing, it's, I mean, this is like essentially free the, to see what he can do. And he can raise your floor at the position. He's not a good defender, which is a little disappointing, but a lot of the first base options really weren't. Um, so it's, it's okay. As, as long as somebody doesn't screw up the, you know, the throws that Nico and Dansby are making, it's fine. Um, yeah, I, you know, again, I, I still am a little confused on the power stuff and where they're going to find that. And it just was something that Jed harped on well, they're not. a lot. It didn't, it didn't happen. Right. And I, I mean, so. you, you have, uh, some real, like the, the Cubs did 
a lot of work to get away from being such a ground ball heavy team. And Hosmer is going to at least push that back in the other direction. Um, but I, you know, look, I, I think overall in a vacuum, I think the move is fine, right? Um, and certainly on a, a different, you know, in a different situation um, where maybe we feel stronger about other parts of this roster. I think this is, you know, you might look at this in a different lens, like, and think this is a great move, right? He's he's free. He's a veteran. He's won a World Series. Um, I think he's a respected player around the league. He's one of those players, right, where, like, he has this massive contract in San Diego, doesn't perform to that level, and it, you know, sort of distorts the perspective, right? And, like, just you know, again, reiterating, like, this is a guy who was still, even if it was just a little, an above-league average hitter. Like, this is not, you know, a Jason Hayward situation where he is decidedly a below-league average hitter, right? A, A black hole in the lineup. That's not what's happening here. So I think in a vacuum, it's a fine move. It's fine, right? He's, it's, it's cost him the league minimum. Like, who cares, right? But, it's just that this is the follow-up to, okay, we're going to punt on offense at catcher, we're going to let Wilson go, and we're going to sign a guy that's not very good, just like overall, right? Even if the defense is good at the position. Okay, fine. And we're not going to sign a big bat at first base and make a kind of a big splash there. Okay, yeah. fine. We're not going to go out and get a big hitting outfielder unless Cody Bellinger discovers who he was four years ago, right? We're not going to go out and, you know, add a significant bat or a, a, a veteran type presence at third base. That's where you look at a move like this with Hosmer and go, eh, okay. You know, so I think there's yeah. like two perspectives on it as a move on its own. I it's it, I don't want to say it's a no brainer, but it's like league minimum for a guy who can be an above league average hitter, even if only slightly. That's fine. That that is a sensible thing to do. It's the you know the whole picture, right? That I think is uh, sort of where I'm getting hung up, and I and I do you know so, well, so am I. It's not. Uh, it's not inherently related to Hosmer, but you know, they, if the Cubs want to stay under the tax, they have a little bit of money left to play with. I would assume that goes to some relievers. Uh, I think they could probably use one or two, maybe veteran guys, to go along with Brad Boxberger and some of the younger guys that you're obviously going to continue giving a chance to. Um, I, I, we're gonna. We're going to see what they're going to do with Matt Mervis, right? Whether they want to, I, I don't see any reason not to start him at the big league level, but at least. This is one of the things we were talking about, even with Abreu or whoever you might bring in. You just want to give comfort there so that you're able to proceed with Mervis exactly how you want to, right? Um, I'm confused about third base, Brendan. Um, I really am. Like, I, I think Morell can do it if you let him have an offseason and a spring training where he is focused on that position because that is not the position that he was... Um, getting reps at you know but we haven't we've heard it will be the complete opposite like ross has described him as a flex the super last flexible year utility that's guy. what he said uh, yeah, yeah i guess they could change things up sure no and i i mean you know obviously you have patrick wisdom as well and you know you have a a lot of you know the cubs have acquired a lot of these like utility infielders as well so i don't know McKinstry, Miles right Mastroni. like i don't know exactly what their plan is for uh guys like that but Ooh, man. Nick Madrigal. Okay. 
<laughs> you really trying to rile me up today. Um, I'm looking at the death you know, chart. No, I just like, I'm not, I, I just don't love that, right, at all. You know, Patrick Wisdom, um, I think, is who he is, but he was not as good of a defender as he was that, you know, that first year with the Cubs in 2021. Um, Christopher Murrell had a ton of throwing issues at third base. And again, I think he can settle those. I think that gets fixed over time. Sure, but, right. but I mean, you better hope so, right? And well, and it just it, you know, point. it's 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 just one of those things where they're both guys that have massive strikeout problems. Christopher has some adjustments he needs to make at the plate, and you know, how do we feel about selling out for middle infield defense with Dansby and Nico? And you have Hosmer is not good at first base and I don't think that situation would be good at third base so I you know that's again like getting back tying this all back into Hosmer it's just like in a vacuum fine I might even say good if depending on the roster this roster it's uninspired and it's like okay like I I don't know I don't know how I feel about the whole picture here well I'm trying to understand how how did this team get to the point where signing Hosmer is kind of a no-brainer, right? And when I'm thinking where we started this offseason, where the market expectations were, what were possible given a healthy farm system without Brennan Davis having back issues in the AFL without Canario's problem, I my, my idea and expectations were let's sign one of the big bats uh, ahead of Dansby, let's maybe use some of our prospects to get an ace-type pitcher. Let's go out, sign some veteran depth pieces that have recent success, as recent as even last year. And we didn't, we didn't get that. And so I think the the likely outcome here is that Jed probably didn't reach his expectation and and what was what what he wanted to do. Uh, we've seen that happen before recently. We've seen the expectations were to trade Wilson Contreras at the trade deadline. That trade got nixed by the Houston Astros. Uh, you know how you feel about that and the Cubs front office's ability to to have not traded them is up to you. For me, it's very disappointing that a nixed trade led to this happening where you get back a 70 80th overall draft pick i'm not cool with that but these things tend to happen where you have a plan you have an idea of what's going to happen and you just kind of miss a little bit and most front offices miss there's only a few front offices that get it right so it's not as if like jets in this front office is some type of bad front office like this is how most front offices operate they they, they miss on this stuff uh so it's not surprising but when we look at hosmer now and we see where this roster is currently situated, even if you didn't sign Hosburn, and you opted for Mancini, which I hope they would have done, then you are at the luxury tax threshold uh, and your win projection gets boosted by about a win or two. That's basically it. So it's back to the earlier point where I was making is if you jump from like 79 wins to 81 wins, does it justify using this year to go over? Does this roster deserve that chance right now? And this is a point of conflict. I would say no, it does not. This roster, as it currently stands, does not deserve Trey Mancini to boost over the luxury tax. And that sucks. 
And the current war projection, these are Fangrass projections, you know, the total sum for Zips and Pakoda and all that stuff is not out for every single team, but the Cubs have the eighth lowest pitching war projection, which makes sense. You have volatility with Hendricks, you have volatility with the lower depth guys, with Snesky and Thompson and and, and all those uh, seven plus starters. The batting war projection has the 18th ranking. So overall, you're still, as a sum with batting and pitching combined, you're in the lower third of the league. Uh, Nowhere in free agency was that going to be boosted. And we knew that even before Dansby was signed. And this is where we're at. They will need to go out and they will need to make trades. Is it possible to make trades with the current farm system? I don't know. We haven't seen... The front office do it yet. They even got Wisniewski by trading Scott Efros, a current big leaguer. So they haven't done that yet. I hope they do it. Um, we're just not. We're not seeing it. This it's it's weird. I honestly, Corey, I will say I did not expect to be in this situation. I I, I was I was more optimistic. I'm not like you know you know the the pressure of death over here i think this team can make the playoffs this year it's just a lot has to go right and it will be a similar conversation that we've had in recent years where everything has to hit and they cannot lose out on the margins and this season will be slightly different that they do have slightly better odds but the overall general conversation probably won't change that much yeah i uh, I'm I'm with you. I and look, like I think the organization is on a fine trajectory generally. It's just a lot slower than I think it has to be and that a lot of us were hoping for, right? Which I think is kind of the the larger conversation. Um it's not obvious, right? Like you for me it was obvious in 2014, 2015. Like, oh yeah, of course, you have six, seven guys who are top fifty prospects, all this payroll flexibility. It's obvious what they're going to do. And they did it and they executed perfectly. This one isn't obvious. And again, that's my expectation. It may be greedy, it may be unrealistic, but I do expect the moves to be obvious. I do expect to get into a contention window that's obvious where I'm not squinting at Eric Hosmer's baseball savant page and I'm not squinting at who's going to play third base and looking at different age curves and all right. of this. I don't want to keep doing this, man. I'm exhausted I do, doing I do this. miss the days for for anybody that uh is only hearing Brendan and I, you know, since we joined CHGO prior, you know, it it lines up with um you know, the Cubs contention window, that, that kind of, um, structure. Yeah. Our, our first full year was the world series here. <laughs> right. And our first full year with CHGO was last year. Um, yeah. so yeah, unfortunately for, <laughs> for all of us, <laughs> mostly for Luke who has to stay up late to watch the Cubs lose. But, uh, I, I, I just miss the days for about, you know, six straight years, we would get to spring training and you and I would predict 105 wins and not really even jokingly, right? Like, obviously, we were being as homerish as possible, but I could look at a, you know, I could look at those rosters and just be like, yeah, like they're, you know, John Lester's going to lead them out. They're going to win 105 games. Yeah, every year. And, you know, yeah, now we're having different conversations. So it's not as fun. Um, but you know, again, like I, yeah, that, that's kind of where I land. Like, I think the direction of, of the organization is fine. Like I, I don't, I, I think there are some who, 
you know, feel like maybe this front office is rudderless and, you know, doesn't have a clue. And I'm not, I don't, I don't think. What is rudderless? What does that mean? Uh, I think it's like a boat. I mean, that is quite the like uh, boat the, thing. Man, your vocabulary you know? is just, you know, on point. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I think it's like something that steers a ship, right? So if you don't yeah. have one, you are an aimless ship, right? Um, <laughs> what did this turn into? Like a, a dialect lesson? What a juxtaposition. Uh, don't use my word. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that. I just think that it's it's taking a long time and it's it's a way of operating that just isn't what we want in this market, right? This is a way that other teams market. I saw a comparison. Um, was it you? Were you comparing them to the Cardinals? I would never do that. Or maybe I was maybe actually. Maybe it was yeah. you. It might have been Michael. Yeah, I've been in some dark, dark, dark I, I, Whoever it was, I apologize. For like me. the trade situation with Goldschmidt and Arenado. Just, just in that they, St. Louis doesn't, and they, you know, have had the benefit of those stupid comp picks for years that obviously help things. But like they don't always play at that top end of free agency and. Uh, payroll and you know they're not sitting with the Dodgers every year or where the Mets are now right but they they attack when it's the right time they they extend when it's appropriate and they can make a a, a good deal and they're so aggressive in the trade market to take advantage of teams that are really dumb and stupid like the Rockies right and that feels like how the Cubs have been operating for the last few years but they're not doing some of those things, right? So, like, it, it it doesn't work unless you are doing all of that, right? They're not aggressively attacking the trade market and taking advantage of these teams that are trying to unload contracts and things like that. They're not being aggressive as we want them to be in terms of the free agent market and, and adding those things. They're not extending anybody, right? We're still, it's January. They didn't extend Nico Horner. They didn't extend Nico Hap. Those are still two issues that they have to figure out. And that's obviously coming after years of getting rid of guys that they could have extended. And, and perhaps that complicated things even more with the market being so hot. Well, and after, you know, Devers extends, I mean, we can get into this is a separate <laughs> right. discussion. I mean, you can go look at the board. If I were Ian Happ, I wouldn't take an extension. He's going to be a top five free agent. And even Nico Horner, you look at shortstops and middle infields, like, do I want to take 70, 80 million? Like I perhaps be making 150 plus in a year and a half? That's the situation. Right. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like they're, they're operating in a way that, I think we don't want them to, you know? And like, you don't have to look at the Mets either and say like, oh, we want this. Of course we do, right? But that's clearly an exception at the moment. And we'll see if that's something that continues and how that all works, et cetera. I would love that, right? If the payroll was $500 million a year, go for it, Tom. You know what I mean, right? Like charge whatever you want for the tickets at that point. Um, I think there's a middle ground, but like where they're at right now it's it's a very particular way of operating, and if you're not going to excel at each part that is required to make that work, you know, you end up in this exact situation where it's like, you know, we're probably going to get those win projections. It's going to be 80-ish, I would guess, maybe, right? I, I don't know. Um, and that doesn't feel good enough for a lot of us. If you're patient and you have high hopes for whenever— you know, I guess PCA comes up and 
you know, fine, you know, all the power to you, right? Like I'm waiting for that too, but like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so if you're at 80 wins, then given how projections have worked in the past, one standard deviation where the majority of the teams fall is six wins. So they could be a 74 win team at the lower end. They could be an 86 win team at the higher end. If you want to get super crazy and hit like the San Francisco Giants top tier in 2021, they could be a lower 90s win team. It's not crazy. It's been done in years past, but they're going to fall within that 80-ish win area. And they're probably, if they start fast, going to be in a situation come June where Jed will start thinking, hey, do I need to make a trade? And that seems to be the plan forward. And maybe that is the best plan given how the market shaped up. Uh, you can't really help what's happened or what didn't happen in the past year and a half. Uh, you can't play Monday morning quarterback, whatever the term is, and try to figure out how to switch things up to get that timeline a little bit faster. This might just be the situation and that deserves criticism. Um, that is where I fall on with with Jeb, but let me take a quick break here from our sponsor, FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO has you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Get decked out like Damar with apparel from the leader in sports with merch and collectibles. FOCO, looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? FOCO has you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Second break here from our sponsor, the fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football, and it all comes down to the national championship game happening on Monday. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, Georgia is favored minus 12 against TCU. That's my pick for this game. I'll be taking Georgia currently at the moment, minus 12, so get in while it's hot. DraftKings, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use code CHGO. New customers can bet just $5 on college football this game and get $200 in free bets Instantly, that's code CHGO only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. All right, so Brendan, uh, let's let's assume the Cubs are not going to go over the luxury tax. As as you've discussed, it you know really doesn't make sense to uh, do that in the in this year. But they they do have some room to spend before that. Where would you allocate that money? Uh, if you're looking at this, you know, current free agent landscape, it's it's pretty specific, right? Um, obviously, if you made trades, it's hard to project what those would be, but you'd obviously have to figure out how the money would all work out there. Um, but if you were just spending it, what areas would you want to see them try to improve? How can they raise that floor even higher. If that if that really feels like ultimately what this offseason is going to end up being. They're going to raise the floor, right? Uh, where, you know, you look at how they were like constructed in 2022, there was obviously a ton of potential for certain guys to just be bad, uh, certain positions to just be bad. 
and you didn't have a lot of depth, et cetera. And I think you're raising that at a lot of these positions. Uh, and as we've discussed, not, uh, you know, substantially or in a lot of cases sufficiently. Uh, but how would you allocate the remaining money either to specific players or just at particular positions to continue improving this team as best we can? Well, the the obvious gap right now that is something attainable is investing in veteran relievers. Uh, there's a few on the market. I do think it's worthy of a discussion whether it makes sense at this point to even spend money on this group of free agents, given that the in-house guys, the projections may be within the same tier. And if you spend money on these free agents, then you restrict yourself at the trade deadline where you do get that reliever that actually makes a difference if you're competitive. So I do think that is a is a discussion worth having. But on the current market now, of these guys, Michael Fulmer might make some sense. Corey Fulmer, if you remember many years ago, was a young starting pitcher for the uh, Detroit Tar- Tigers, had success. He was a pretty much like a workhorse in his first two years, a three ERA, a three-point ERA in 2016, 2017, respectively, struggled in 2018 as a starter. As a result, in 2020, Detroit moved him, at, sorry, after 2020, Detroit moved him to the bullpen, where his strikeout rate went up. His run prevention was much better. He finished last season with 63 innings pitched, a 3.39 ERA, and he split time between the Twins and the Tigers almost equally. He's someone who has a sinker, someone who has a four-seam fastball. He throws between 94 and 97. If he's feeling frisky, maybe 98. Could be a guy. I'm not sure what his market's going to dictate. If it's, for example, four or five million, then again, back to that point of asking whether it makes sense to spend that money now or bank on some of your internal options. I I don't know where I stand on that. You also want to get some more depth on the positional group, but at the same time, we've seen them make mistakes on signing infielders over the last three years doing this. So I the the decision might ultimately be they don't do anything else. And this is what it is. You leave a huge window of opportunity come June and come July. I don't, man, like I think I'm kind of falling in that category right now. I'm just standing still. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I would look at, at adding some some more veteran reliever presence to the mix um, I'm not usually an advocate of spending too much on the bullpen. Um, Brian Shaw's available. You may remember Brian Shaw from a very important game. Oh, what game is that, Brendan? What are you uh, referring to? That was uh, game seven of the World Series, Corey. Oh. The Cubs won, by the way. And he was, yeah. he was involved? He, he was, you know, he was involved. He was throwing some cutters back door, but, uh, you know, a certain infielder who was good uh, had a very important hit, Corey. Oh, well, hopefully for... Brian Shaw, uh, I mean, luckily for Brian Shaw, Ben Zobrist <laughs> doesn't play anymore, so he should be fine. Uh, yeah, I miss Ben Zobrist. What a guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, the, that comment actually made, for a second, like, made me, like, a little speechless. I, I didn't have anything to say to that. Yeah. I miss him. I miss him. Um, 
But, you know, you look at like last year, like what the Cubs were able to get out of someone like David Robertson, um, you know, and I think moves of, of that ilk are, are, could be beneficial to this team. Um, I think you obviously have a number of guys uh, that you want to give opportunities to and continue to see if you can develop your own relievers and, you know, really just the pitching staff. But I think you have a, a good amount of depth in this rotation. Um, you have a lot of guys that you can utilize in different ways, as we've talked about. You can have them start. You can have them pitch in relief. You can have them pitch in long relief. You have a lot of piggyback kind of options that you can look at and, and potential there. And I think if you can, you know, add one or two more guys that are kind of uh, experienced and locked into those like pitch and inning maybe high leverage, and that's just kind of their job. I think that rounds it out pretty nicely. I think you'd feel pretty good about the pitching staff at that point, especially with the leaps we've seen some guys make and just the overall confidence that we have in that infrastructure. I, I think, you know, ultimately you'd look and say, this is a, this is a pretty solid group. Um, and, you know, one of the, the things that we talked about a lot um, you know, was Jed's comment at one point about the best teams blowing teams out, right? They're not going to do that, right? This this roster is not going to do that. Um, even if they make m- another move, they're not going to do that. They're they're far away from being a team that blows teams out. However, you want to do what you can at this point. You have to anticipate, right? I think you're going to play a lot of close games. You're going to play a lot of one-run games. And you need to do what you can to build a team that can win those games. And I think you have a starting staff and starting depth that can complement that. And I think if you're able to feel better about the bullpen um, and some of the guys you're going to be trusting, especially in high leverage, I think you, you know, it's, it's, it's a very risky strategy right? It's a very volatile strategy. <laughs> it It's not like some genius thing of me to say, or even of Jed to say, that winning by nine runs, it's really easy, you know? It's, it's easy when you score nine runs a game to win, you know? If you're slugging all over the field, it makes things a lot easier, right? It's difficult if you play a lot of close games, and I think we've seen teams like that. I think it was the Texas Rangers a few years ago that played in like an absurd number of those games. And it's just so many games that, you know, one ground ball, one missed call, one, you know, extra base or something like that, you know, every other day, your whole season is different, right? So if that's the type of baseball that this team is going to be playing, shore everything up, right? You've got really good defense up the middle. You've conceded offense for that very purpose at the catching position. Uh, so if you have a little bit more money to play with, I would say go make sure you're going to get those last three to six outs at the end of every game, right? So that you're not giving those games away, and that might help you succeed with this particularly, um, you know, volatile strategy. I, I don't see similar guys who the Cubs have acquired in years past, like you know Robertson last year. I don't, I right. don't that's, see that obvious guy out yeah. there. Maybe, you know, Chafin's out there. It'd be fun to bring him back. He did have a great year last year with Detroit. 57 innings, a 10.5K per nine, ERA of 2.8, FIP of three flat. 
that could be a guy. But then again, you know, he's a left-hander. He's still relatively young at 32 years old. He's had success now for two straight seasons. The bulk of his last six years have been successful. Do you want to spend $8 million on him? Does it make sense right now, given the Cubs' situation, to invest that much money in him? I'm not sure. So the way that the bullpen's constructed as it currently stands is a lot of options that do have high ceilings, but they're very volatile. Manny Rodriguez, Brad Boxberger, Brandon Hughes are projected to get the most innings by Fangraphs at this point. Rowan Wick, Adra Azalei, uh, Leader Jr., Leiter Jr., Rucker, Keegan Thompson. Those are the remaining guys. Keegan Thompson, of course, might be splitting with the rotation back and forth. And then Cody Hoyer's coming back from injury rehab for all we've heard is going well. That could be someone. And then even going back a little bit lower, you do have Jeremiah Estrada, who's probably the best relief prospect the Cubs have had in our era of following this team. He could be a closer if all things work out and they may give him a shot to get those higher leverage innings. But then again, you look at the bullpen and you can see, okay, Manny Rodriguez has a good fast fastball spin efficiency may not be the best. Brad Boxberger, old, volatile. Cubs clearly see something in his profile. Brandon Hughes, great year last year. Can he replicate it? Rowan Wick, hit or miss, like very hit or miss. Uh, I still have faith in him. I think he still has good stuff. But then again, you're trying to project a team with confidence. You can't do that. Ad Razali, massive injury problems, great stuff, volatile because of the injuries. Uh, that's what you're dealing with. And the hope is that those concerns don't percolate up to the top end of the bullpen and put the Cubs in a position where they do have to make a trade that's uncomfortable. Um, but I don't see one arm adding massive stability to this bullpen. I think you have to play the risky game there at this point and also assume that the Cubs infrastructure and Tommy Javier, Daniel Moscas, and the entire pitching development at AAA, Jacobson, all those guys, that they now have a track record where you can assume that a lot of the concerns are not as dire as it appears. And that's where I'm kind of putting my confidence right now is in those coaches, in that infrastructure, in that ability to translate. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that's... uh... I feel like this was a depressing episode. Like, I don't think it was, uh, like, irrational. Like, I think think like this is... I think we're being honest, man. I mean, I... Yeah, look, like, if you are jazzed... Look, and I mean, I'm not trying to, like, dog these guys or anything. I'm sure they're nice guys. But, like, Tucker Barnhart and Eric Hosmer, that's where we ended up, Brendan. Come on. You know? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you guys and act like I'm jazzed about that. Like, yeah. and it's it's like, it's hard... The Padres are paying it, Eric Hosmer to go away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this is this is a weird offseason because, again, I, I look at this roster. I don't blame, like, the moves that were not made in the last six weeks. Like, yeah, like, the market was crazy, man. Like, sure. I'm not going to spend 12 years on Xander Bogars. I'm not doing that. But I am going to criticize that you got yourself in a position where now this is the, the logical path one, forward. One way that- or another, the Cubs front office, their job is ultimately to put a good baseball team on the field. Yeah. And, you know, as we talked about with a lot of those guys, you know, Bogarts being a good example, you can make sense of not doing something. You can even loudly be against 
something. And a 12-year contract is nuts. And it's it's not something that is going to age well, et cetera, et cetera. But you have to then figure out another way to win baseball games, right? And do you have confidence that they can do that? I, they're not doing it right now. I know. So, so then it have, has, has this front office done it ever? This current one? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I don't know. That's kind of getting back to where I said, like, you know, when we were discussing what rudderless meant. Um, I don't, I don't really know how to evaluate the front office at the current moment. I mean, they started. But that's 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 also like uninspired. Well, of course it right? is. Yeah, but like they started yeah. in a weird spot, right? Like Jed's first year, he had a ton of expiring contracts, and he made some decisions on them. It it feels hard for me to you know really evaluate that. Um, I don't I don't like that feeling. Again, this is well, where I yeah, get greedy, sure. right? Yeah, and it's that like some of the criticism can be directed at the front office as a whole, but it's just like getting to this point just sucks. Like at least with Theo, there's a lot of, there were a lot of problems to finish off his tenure as, as president and the lack of development. We've talked about this for years, but there was one area where he excelled at, and that was making executive decisions at the big league level that had a higher probability of working out and you can criticize the Hayward deal. But then again, you know, for the current era in the early 2010s, he hit on all the margins, man. And you knew what the plan was. You had confidence. You had the track record. Uh, I, I don't feel as if we're seeing some of the plans play out in a way that Jed has made clear. They played out for years with Theo upwards to 2017. And I felt confident because of that. And I don't feel like we're in a position where we can accurately say and with confidence that we're in a good position forward. I don't feel that way. Uh, all right. Hey, have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, It could work out, though, right? I mean, like, it can work out. You, see, you can see it working now. This front office, Carter Hawkins, does have, like, the track record of being a lower executive with pitching development. It can work out. And there's a way forward, absolutely. There's, that's different than being confident sure. about it working I out. I think, yeah, th- th- I think the team is improved, over the course of this offseason by how much, how confident you are in that is the uninspiring part, right? But I think, you know, we're in this spot where the system is in a good place. They've done a lot of good work in their pipeline. You may not have uh, a, you know, blue chip Chris Bryant type prospect at the moment, Right. But there is a lot of talent in this system. And I think unquestionably, and this is not my opinion, this is the opinion of people that follow this system very closely, people that follow all systems very closely, they have done a lot of work to improve themselves and put themselves in one of the better positions in the league. The major league team has more talent on it than when you look back at like the previous rebuild, right? Um, and when they were ready, you know, getting ready to ratchet things up. Like, this this team does have talent across the diamond and, and throughout the major league team. The, the part where we're at, though, is when and how do they take that next step in terms of going from that, a team that is not projected to make the playoffs, that type of area, to making those moves that get you there or finishing off the development on some of these 
prospects to get you there. That is where we have not seen that yet. And I think a lot of people were hoping that there would be a much stronger indication of what that was going to look like in this offseason. And I don't think we got it. I don't think we got any of it, right? And you can point to the Dansby signing, but immediately you're going to get pushback and say, well, you let your best offensive contributor go, right? So Dansby's a, a, a good signing. That contract will be, I think, looked back on as probably, I, I think, really good, right? When you look at, you know, just the years, the money, inflation, like what a contract will be for a, a shortstop of his caliber in seven years. Like, I don't think we're going to have any qualms with that contract. But you let your best offensive contributor go and a guy that had been in the organization for over a decade, right? So they're not a one-to-one swap, but you did subtract quite a bit. And so the rest of the moves, they don't really get you any closer to the next great Cubs team, right? So that's where I think this kind of feeling has come over, at least you and I, and I, I think we're not alone in this. Um, like, it, it's that uncertainty of, okay, like, they have improved. The organization is in a better place in a lot of ways than they were uh, a couple years ago, like when Jed started. But there's still a huge portion of this that has to get executed, and we just right. haven't seen it. We haven't seen what that looks like. And to your point, I, I, I don't know what you're looking at that gives you confidence that they can execute it. Yeah. Well, it seems like, this is my last point that we can sign off, but it seems as this rebuild has progressed, more problems have surfaced that were not in my mind problems that with injuries to Brennan, problems with the Canario injury, uh, problems with Bresciato, problems with the market being hotter and some of the trades or lack thereof. Like those are problems that I don't think were on the radar for many fans. At the same time, I can understand why the front office is navigating around those problems now with the moves they're making. It makes sense given the current context, if you want to avoid the last two years, how we got here. I understand that. But that type of path forward makes me think, okay, what are the other blind spots? What else are we missing here? And this is my very last point. I felt confident that the prior front office and the early goings of that rebuild, that they didn't have as many blind spots as the other front offices. And so for me, as a fan, I felt more confident. I was more willing to accept some of the shortcomings because I felt, okay, this front office has a unique ability to forecast what's to come, to find those blind spots. And they did that to perfection with the international free Asian market, with the early going first round draft picks, they executed, they hit on those early trades. And so I'm hoping that this current front office can do the same thing. It's just that we haven't seen it so far and we're seeing unanticipated problems surface more so than I'm comfortable with. And for me as a fan, I don't like that. I like more certainty. I don't want to have this like weird feeling like, oh, like 80, 86 wins. Other fans, they may be fine with that and they may go forward and be totally fine with how it works out. And that's cool. Like go about it and that's how you want to go about things and that's fine. It's just for, for me, I wanted to get beyond last year and beyond 
to a different projection tier of being like obvious, and we're not there, Corey. So you will be at CubsCon or no? <laughs> I've actually never been at CubsCon before. I don't. It's not. It's not for me. I'm not like a people person, so that's like just not. You and I aren't convention yeah, people. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So you know, we're like weirdos in the yeah. corner. Well, I wouldn't yeah. just go that far. Like, I'll, like I like going to those like small like meetups or whatever. Those are fun. I just don't want to be in a crowded room with like a thousand people. I'll get a, I'll get a sinus headache. I don't want to be doing that. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. But you don't want to be there for the electric response when uh, Brad Boxberger <laughs> is introduced. I mean, no. I was as you were saying. I'm that, not trying. I swear, I'm not trying to dog these guys. Like, I. It's just I'm just like not. <laughs> I'm just not. But I, I, I will say though, I'm looking forward to seeing Nico and. Dan. Like, I don't hate Tucker Barnhart. I don't know Tucker Barnhart, but it's you know you guys get yeah. it. Yeah. And hey, if you're jazzed about Tucker Barnhart, I'm not. You know, all the power. He to seems you. like a nice um, person, by the way. He does. How much? How much war is that worth? <laughs> I think half a war, perhaps. Great, great. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Look again. I think the team has improved. I think they've made some nice moves, and um, I think there was just more out there. I, I think there was more that they could have done. You know, it's easy for me to say, of course, right? Um, but I, I just was hoping to feel a lot more confident in this group and and what their their floor could be and where they kind of fit into the National League picture, not just in the NL Central, um, but the overall National League picture. Yeah. And I am being honest with you guys. I don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at those and, other rosters, like, you know, of course they're light years ahead of the Cubs, but like the Braves and Mets, it's like, oh, like I, like I forgot what it feels like to be that like confident in your team. Mm-hmm. Like I want to get back to that point. That's That's what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, and you know, look, like I don't, I don't think that you have uh, put yourself in that spot in your own division. Like I think the Cardinals are decidedly better than the Cubs right now. Yeah, um, they have some pitching concerns, and you know, we'll see if uh, their first base and third base tandem can put up just an unreal season like they did last year again. But again, like that's that's sort of the overall point is I think that it it would it wasn't crazy to think that the Cubs could get there, right? Um, we kind of went into this offseason not really asking for them to be a juggernaut that was, you know, a two-to-one favorite to win the World Series. Just confidently be a playoff I wanted an 85-win projection. That's all I wanted. Right, and I don't think we're there. We're, we're not there. Right. So that's what it is. You, you know, how that comes across to you, you know, whining, sour grapes, realism, pragmatism, whatever. It's going to be perceived differently. But that's just, that's how I feel. And I think, Brendan, you're, uh, usually you and I are in lockstep on these things. It'll be a fun day when we do one of these and we completely disagree. Because I don't know that that's happened too no. much. Or we're just like super smart people, you know? Well, uh, no one's going to agree with that. But That's true. Um, all right. That is what we have for you. As always, uh, you know, we had another really nice week of shows um in studio in the chgo studios um so always you can check those out in the podcast feed on youtube etc i want to thank uh you brendan ryan luke for filling in for me last week um and hey still some off season left if uh you're getting ready to go to CubsCon next week whether you live in chicago uh, or coming into chicago hope you have a nice time win your raffles and bingo and all of that, whatever you're you're hoping to have happen there in downtown Chicago. Uh, 
live shows back with you on Monday, of course. Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday. And uh, as always, use that code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you guys for listening and supporting the CHGO Cubs podcast. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.